Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The scripture reading for today it comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Our psalm for today is Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward me. None can compare to you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than could be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and faithfulness keep me safe forever. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Most of us can read Psalm 40 and admire its words, the depth of its thought and its turn of phrase. Yet who among us can say honestly with the Lord that I waited patiently for the Lord? When did we ever sit and wait for anything without frustration? We wait in traffic. We wait for the weather to improve. We wait in the waiting room. We are not good at waiting. We want to get moving. We can't stand wasting time. The clock is ticking and we want something to happen now. Patience is listed by Paul as the fruit of the Spirit, which it must be for someone, somebody, somewhere else, but not for me, at least not yet, not now. A cute little insurance company ad features an adorable cast of toddlers dressed as adults. They're all pictured in some all-too-grown-up situations. We know them well. Waiting online at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Rudely being put on hold. Your wait time is 55 minutes. Thank you very much, please. And who hasn't been rudely brushed off by a waiter at a nice restaurant? 
We've all been tempted to slam our iPhones to the ground in frustration at poor customer service. Have you ever called the IRS helpline? <laughs> it's a variation on the waiting that we do all our lives. We wait to be old enough to go to school, to ride a bike, to have our own smartphones. We wait to drive a car at the right time. We wait to land a job to get accepted at the right college or to find the right partner. We wait for a promotion, a raise. We wait for tenure or retirement. And some people wait for what seems like eons, just eons, for their favorite sports teams to play and to win championships. So there is waiting. And then there is waiting. Some waiting is, well, just the pointless exercise we all engage in, like when I went to the post office to mail a package to my brother and I waited online. But other waiting matters. Waiting in the physician's office for the results to come back from the biopsy, or waiting for the sonogram that shows your new child's forming soul and body. Waiting is a universal and deeply human experience. In Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot, two characters sit and wait for Godot to arrive. They sit and they sit and they talk and they talk and they sit and they sit and they talk and talk and Godot never arrives. So although waiting may be futile for Godot, waiting for God is a major biblical theme. I waited and I waited and I waited for God. At last God looked, finally the Lord listened, is one translation of today's psalm. Hosea counsels, wait continually for the Lord. In Isaiah, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the history of Israel, there are long periods of waiting, long periods. A long time of waiting takes place during the Exodus. Forty years of waiting to enter the Promised Land. Forty years of wandering. Forty years of delayed gratification. And then there's the Babylonian exile, a time when all the Jewish people are hauled away from the Promised Land to Babylonia, where they're held in captivity. They live in ruins, and they've lost hope and connection to the precious memories of Jerusalem, the holy city, and the grand temple. We sing about those times, you know, in Advent. O, o come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile there. Over and over, down through the centuries, the prophets advised the people to wait to wait and to watch for God to act, for the promised day of the Lord to come. In fact, this psalm must have been a favorite of the prophets with its talk of God not wanting burnt offerings, instead preferring an open ear and a heart attuned to the presence of God. For many of us, Lent is the strangest church season. We do everything oppositely here. We slow down which we should be speeding up to escape the clutches of winter. We move slowly toward the birth of a new spring and the joy of Easter lilies. 
We sit in the deep darkness while the liturgy turns us all to somber purple. We wear smudges of ashes on our dirty foreheads, and we sing profound and beautiful hymns in minor keys. It's a time of serious waiting for Easter, for the resurrection Easter promises is not only coming, but also present in the life of the world if we watch and listen and wait for it. And it's not a passive sort of waiting, not sitting away, twiddling our thumbs, just whiling away the time. Lent is waiting, living into that future, leaning into it, praying, fasting, reading, hoping, keeping silence, and working for the coming kingdom of God. It's anything but the mindless and meaningless waiting of Beckett's Godot. Penitence and sacrifice and contemplation are the great words of Lent. And I have a hard time believing they were ever popular, even in the days of the Puritans. You know, those were days when people actually held competitions to see who could resist the greatest temptation or to avoid the greatest pleasure, let alone now, when delayed gratification is viewed with suspicion from everyone from politicians to advertisers who promise us every minute of every day that we can really have it all and we can have it all now. The beginning of the psalm is so familiar. I waited patiently for the Lord. But maybe a more apt translation would be, I hope urgently. Urgently I hope for the Lord. There is intensity in this waiting an expectation that God is about to do something. It's a litten hope focused on the core convictions of our Christian faith that God hears our cries and rescues us from times of darkness and trouble and that the Lord enables us to respond to what God is doing and to what is happening in our lives with a joyful noise, a song of praise. The first verses of the psalm recall the deep distress of the psalmist and of God's rescue. It's the universal cry of everyone who lives in dire straits. I hoped urgently the Lord would hear my cry. God listened and did hear. And then the Lord drew me up from the desolate pit, up out of the miry bog. God set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God put a new song into my mouth, a song of praise to our God. If you went to hear the Irish rock band U2 play a concert in the last 25 years, the chances are the last song that you heard played was 40, or how long? How long shall we wait, O Lord? It was the band's, Bono's and Company's signature setting of this ancient Psalm 40. This is rock and roll infused with deep spirituality and a desire for the world to know the peace and justice of God. The rocker Bono sees what we might miss, that Psalm 40 is a word of rescue and a song of hope given to us, a frustrated and anxious people. The text tells us that the miracle does dawn, the Lord hears our frustration sees our anxiety and steps across time and space and moves directly into our lives, our communities, our world to rescue us. 
Rescue us from our own selves. Rescue us from the mess we've made. God watches. God listens. God hears our cries and God lifts us up out of the sticky mud. And God sets us down in a good place and steadies us. We're moved from a slippery, dangerous course to a path that's stable and secure. And it happens publicly, embarrassingly, where other people can see what God is doing. And we have a chance, God has a chance to interact, to speak across those lines. As you too would leave the stage, the band members one by one, and the enthusiastic crowd would pour from the stadium, they would have on their lips the song of the psalmist. I will sing. I will sing of a new song of what God has done. For God has heard my cry. Into the streets the people carried the song of God without maybe even knowing the origin of this great truth. This ancient song echoes down through the ages from Israel's deliverance from the Exodus to the praise song the Apostle Paul sings in prison to the psalmist's plea, to our plea that the God of grace and glory would grant us wisdom, courage, for the facing of these hours. In these next weeks before Easter, we will wait and watch for ways in which the promised kingdom of God comes close to us in ways that are quiet and unexpected or bold and brassy and self-assured. It may be in the kindness of a friend, our attempt to reach out to someone in crisis, It may be the healing of a gentle touch, an act of generosity. It will all be a gesture of grace. But the psalm promises something more is coming. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust. The Hebrew word for happiness doesn't mean happy. In the way that modern people think of it, feeling great, enjoying the company of friends, smiles, and BFFs all around The word ashray implies that God has given us a state of the soul, that God has fixed something deep within us. It is a gift that God only can confer, something sturdy, not fleeting or emotional. It's not something that can be ruined by circumstances. And if we call this happiness, then it's amazing that for we are wonderfully redefining what happiness is. As Henry David Thoreau once said, happiness is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it will elude you. But if you turn your attention to other things, it will come and sit softly on your shoulder. Exactly what the psalmist has for us to see. Happy is the person who trusts in the Lord, asserts the psalmist. But experience teaches us the other side, that those who trust in the Lord are not sheltered from difficulty, or, but may well find themselves in distress, and even in agony, because trusting God means that we follow God courageously in a world that is not in sync with God's purposes. This blessedness is a gift to many, but a calming heartbeat to those who have known the trust of the Lord. 
So whether we like it or not, or whether we accept it all completely, this holy frame of happiness has a future dimension about it. One of the last verses we read, praise to the Lord. Let your steadfast love, let your faithfulness keep me safe forever. It is God's steadfastness, God's faithfulness that endures and wins the day. For if we prevail, it is God doing so through us and in us. But we know a bit about eternity, about the time beyond that is measured by time. The happiness we crave may be glimpsed here or there, enjoyed for a while, but then it may escape us. And yet we believe if we trust the Lord, if we believe and follow the Christ, that God will open ears for us to hear the great song of hope and praise that the whole world is tuned to, and that all of us left concerts singing. God has given us a new song. So if we believe and we follow the Christ into the world, after the world is no more and God has brought all things to an end, there will be a happiness exponentially more giddy than even the most happy the world can play, the most happiness the world can seduce us with. Our relationship with God, begun now, known in a new and holy song, will finally be for us reality, and all will be joy. Joy, joy, joy. Thanks be to God who has given us ears to hear and a song to sing and a hope infusing our future. Amen and amen. Let us continue on in a spirit of prayer. Merciful and holy God, in these Lenten days, as we wait for Easter and journey to the cross, as we come closer to the fullness of who you are and to see your suffering, open us to receive you. We who gather bring a great wideness to our faith. Some are eager to be with you in the wilderness to engage in the depths of agony on our behalf. For others, we are beyond busy, and it is grace if our faith deepens in a season we, we are just trying to survive. Others among us struggle with the harshness of Lent, the penetrating prayers that keep focusing on our brokenness. Wherever we are this Lent, let this be hallowed time that belongs to you. Allow us to be attentive and aware and alive in a faith where your life is a model for our life where your love becomes the standard for our love. The messiness of the world is wrenching, O oh God, and it must be so for you to see your people at war in poverty and addicted and mangled, to witness from your lofty place your sons and daughters who could be richly blessed with different opinions, instead torn apart over political and justice issues, nations at war with one another, another over resources we all ought to share, People, your children, engaged in acts of terror, even in houses of worship. We need your help in Israel and Palestine and Tunisia and in Yemen and in Detroit. We need your guidance in our town, in our schools, and in our churches. We need you here. The earth is waking up again and we see the signs. 
The birds and the sunrise remind us that all things have a rhythm, that stark and cold and dark will come to an end for a season. And so in that, we give you thanks for the gift of love and friendship, for life and death and life again. You bless us with compassion, not complacency, hope and not despair. Offer wholeness to the broken and healing to the hurting. Show us grace that leaves no one aside. Let us pursue joy. Let us hold on to wonder. Let us embrace mystery. And let us have the capacity for deep laughter, for these are blessings indeed. Pray through us, Holy Spirit, as we pray this morning. Talk is cheap, but grace is costly, so let our faith become action with your help, for we are committed to loving and serving you, and we are ready for the challenge. The power that raised you from the dead can surely raise us from our worry, can surely change our world from a bunch of siloed selves to people and nations that can be at peace and in communion. It is in the name of the one who broke free, Jesus, our Lord, that we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.